Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Now's the time to save 30% on wedding jewelry, only on BlueNile.com. Make sure your wedding ring is the one with your pick of diamond and lab-grown diamond bands, all hand-finished and graded for excellence. Or surprise her with something blue she'll love for life, like a stunning pair of sapphire earrings. Blue Nile's jewelry experts are available 24-7 to help, from fit questions to style advice. Right now, get up to 30% off at BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. TCL is a proud sponsor of the 1500 ESPN Studios. TCL, America's fastest-growing TV brand. Minnesota Vikings, the NFL, football, yeah, football. Welcome to Purple Podcast. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Purple Podcast. Matthew Collar here and joining me. Uh, fans of the podcast will know the name. Brandon Thorne, our offensive line analyst, works for the Scouting Academy and writes for USA Football. Uh, has done a number of great breakdowns that you can see on his Twitter, at Veteran Scout. Brandon, what's going on? Not too much, Matt. Just uh, excited to start talking about the Vikings and their upcoming opponent and just everything that's going on with the team. All right, so we've looked at all sorts of different things when we've had you on, and one of at the top of the list of intrigue for Vikings fans is their rookie right tackle, Brian O'Neill. And there was a stat on Twitter about the number of sacks he has allowed so far this season, which is zero. And I, I think, Brandon, that um, before we schedule his Hall of Fame ceremony in Canton, uh, we can say that he has been an upgrade over Rashad Hill, who had allowed five sacks, uh, in, in the time that he was in, uh, but that there is still plenty to work on. So tell me what you have seen so far from Brian O'Neill and what progress he's made. Yeah, so a lot of the same things that we saw and talked about about him coming out of college, you know, you see on the field. And I think it really it starts, I think the positives start with his athleticism and how quickly he's able to recover and pass protection, which I think is a big part of him not giving up sacks because he does get beat a lot initially at least, but he's able to recover so quickly and just run guys past the pocket or recover to the inside and push them, you know, just down the line of scrimmage. And it, I think, hides the fact that he is getting beat, um, you know, at least initially quite a bit. And I think, you know, handling power, um, anchoring, those two things are still a struggle for him. You even saw it against Green Bay last week, who doesn't really have a good pass rusher on the outside. But guys like, you know, Clay Matthews still, you know, he could generate some speed to power. He blew up O'Neal a couple times, beat him to the inside a couple times. But Kirk Cousins was either able to get it off quick enough to not, you know, see any pressure necessarily, or he was able to just kind of extend the play and maneuver around it. So those type of things, you know, kind of go unseen, you know, in, in the statistic, like you just mentioned, they don't get, you know, mentioned, obviously. Um, and it's just, you know, th- that's 
stat and who he is in a group with their two elite players is just very misleading. Obviously, he's he's nowhere near elite right now, but he definitely has, I think, that foundation that you like to see from a guy who is you know, relatively inexperienced in general, you know, coming out of college, former tight end, you know, still learning the position. But he's, you know, again, w- w- the first thing that impressed me when he started playing this year was his mental processing and his ability to recognize stunts and things like that. And, you know, just block the right guy. You know, I see things well on the field. So between that and his athleticism, I think you have something there. But there's still a lot of room for improvement uh, based on what I've seen on the film. So, of course, it's been an upgrade over Hill, who is a backup, and I have a lot of respect for and what he's done to make a career for himself after two, in 2016 being on the Jacksonville practice squad to be starting games and to be a reliable player is a is a huge thing to be said for Rashad Hill, but not a starter I don't think that you want for 16 games. So from right. that standpoint, they kind of had to go with O'Neal once they saw that he could play a little bit. But from mm-hmm. his progress standpoint, from the development of Brian O'Neill, as a guy who has a chance with his athleticism to be a very good tackle, maybe even move over to left tackle at some point, uh, do you think that this was the right move to throw him into the Wolves? Definitely. Yeah, I definitely do. I think the things that he struggles with, the Vikings are doing a nice job of masking you know, due to, you know, really a lot of help, you know, the tight ends, fullback, or excuse me, tight ends, running backs, they're often lined up to his side in different alignments to help him out. Slide protection is often coming to his side. So they're doing, you know, they clearly are, you know, favoring um, help and, and gearing help towards his side, which is smart. And that's exactly how you want to develop somebody like this. You don't want to just do the opposite of everything I just said and put all the help and everything else to the left tackle. Obviously you have somebody over there in Riley, Riley reef who you can depend on to a certain extent to handle a lot of things, you know, himself. So I like the way that they're, you know, um, helping hide some of his deficiencies, showing his strengths in certain ways. So yeah, I definitely think it was the right choice, especially because of the way that they're handling it. So yeah, I'm 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 all for him playing, you know, the rest of the season and the decision that they've made and you know, he's had a favorable schedule for the most part and he does for the rest of the year as well. You know, he's gonna see Cam Wake, you know, later in the year and maybe Khalil Mack if they don't play him over the left tackle like they did. But yeah, so you know, for the most part a pretty favorable schedule for offensive tackles, you know, aside from a couple guys that you've seen like Cam Jordan and, you know, Khalil Mack. So all those things considered, I think he's in a really good situation right now to develop. So the offensive line as a whole has had some issues, clearly. And at the guard positions, I just don't think that there's a whole lot they can do. Um, But the decision to have Mike Remmers move to guard, I think has turned out to be disastrous. Uh, And I feel bad for Mike Remmers because of this. I think he should have been the tackle. It's nice that Brian O'Neill has done what he's done and been able to step in and show he can play. But ideally... Maybe you wouldn't have wanted him to have to have that pressure on a team that wants to win the Super Bowl playing right tackle. And with Remmers at guard, it it has looked to me, Brandon, like below replacement level guy. Like you could pretty much bring in anyone off the street and they play as well. And that's not what Mike Remmers is. I mean, I think he's an average right tackle, but a well, well below average right guard. And it's just it's been a tough spot. And when I watch him on tape, he's battling like hell. I just don't think it's his job. 
Yeah, yeah. The guard transition for him, I think we both kind of foresaw it not going so well, even though he did look good last year in that one start. Uh, yeah, he's just not really, his skill set isn't a guard. You know, he played his whole career at tackle in Carolina and, you know, when he first came to Minnesota. So I, he just, he really struggles. And on top of that is the competition. You know, I mentioned on the outside for the tackles, it hasn't been that, you know, that tough. But on the inside, it's a whole different ball game. The interior defensive line in the NFL virtually every week, you're going to see, you know, at least one very good elite player, if not even two sometimes. So, you know, those two things put together, him just not really, really being cut out for the inside and having to learn a new position this season on top of facing outstanding competition. It's been really, really tough for him. And, you know, he's, yeah, he's just one of those guys at this point. I think he's definitely somebody, you know, the Vikings have to replace in the off season. And I'm not sure if they can really do much, you know, to hide him or to, to overcome him as, you know, as the season progresses and especially when you get to the playoffs and you're starting to see, you know, virtually almost every interior defensive line you're going to see is going to be very good. So, you know, it's just one of those things where you just have to, uh, you know, just kind of hope that he can improve to a level where you can win with him as opposed to win in spite of him. And I think he's more so in that, in that former category right now. And you know, the Vikings didn't make some good choices against Akeem Hicks and uh, left Remmers one-on-one at times with him to just get blown up. And then uh, even, you know, even we saw that last week too, where, I mean, the interior defensive linemen in the NFC are just monsters and you can't have Kenny Clark, against Remmers and you can't have Akeem Hicks against Remmers. I mean, these guys are just too good and we've seen them completely take advantage of him. And I also think that it speaks to a little bit of like what Pat Elfline has faced in his first two seasons in the NFL. Like, I mean, just as a rookie coming in last year, he has to face this murderer's row. And then again, this year he comes back from injury and faces Aaron Donald, Fletcher Cox and Akeem Hicks a few weeks later, like the top three. And then, and then uh, Clark as well. These are top five type of guys, and I just I don't know what solution there is to it, Brandon. Other than there really isn't, you can't really paint over a guard when they have to match up on a lot of these run plays. It's basically the Vikings just have to find ways to run to the outsides. Yeah, you can't really do much, especially when guys are lining up in like the three technique spot. I mean, you can't you can't really help out the guard a whole lot. You could do little things here and there where you send a running back. If he's going to release into a route, you can release him actually through your B gap and, you know, chip a defensive tackle. I've seen teams do that, but you know, you want to obviously bring the center over to his side. So he really has that inside help as much as you can, which they've been doing. They slide to the right a lot to help not only O'Neill, but also Remmers. I think, you know, to have that inside help from each, from uh, the garden center. So I think that that those are two things that you could do, but. You obviously can't do that the majority of the time or anything. So there's really not a whole lot you can do because the competition is so stiff and, you know, it's not really letting up a whole lot as I'm looking at their schedule, maybe a little bit, you know, against Miami and Detroit. But, you know, Seattle has, you know, Jerron Reed, who's a pretty good player. New England, we'll talk about, has a couple of, you know, pretty good defensive tackles. So, you know, for the most part, you know, almost every team on the schedule, you know, just, it's not going to offer any let up there on as far as competition. So it's, it's tough. It's just, but this is a position that a lot of teams 
in the league are in, you know, mm-hmm. where their interior the offensive line just, you know, they have one player that just can't match up. So, so with Elfline, uh, last week I thought he was used to his strength finally, and he was on mm-hmm. the move and he was blocking for uh, Delvin Cook in space. And imagine that. I mean, it's something we've talked about with him since he was in Ohio State and you liked him in the draft. I mean, it's just like, yeah. to me, it was a failure of the Vikings offense since they got him back to not fully utilize his skill. And this is when I see, you know, the uh, NBC broadcast runs the pro football focus ranks, which I think is cool. And like the, the more stats and information you can bring to fans is great. But when it says that he's rated as one of the worst centers, I think, well, A, he's got a backup left guard. He's got a guy in right guard who can't play that position, so he's got a, not much help there. And then he's got an offensive coordinator who's totally deviated from what Pat Shermer's scheme was, where they ran outside zone. They don't do that now, from what I've seen. I, I can't think of three times where they've run just straight-up outside zone runs, and that's where I think Elfline's great at reaching a guy that's off of his uh, left or right shoulder, and he hasn't yep. been allowed to do that. against. And two, another thing, I don't mean to rant, Brandon, but Against the Keem Hicks, there's a play where they asked Elfline against this 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 monster to reach block him and turn him. Like, that's not, come on. Like, of course your pro football focus grade's going to be terrible. When you're asking someone to, he's lined up over Elfline's right shoulder, you're asking him to reach Hicks's right shoulder and then turn Hicks to run through that gap. It's just not going to happen. Like, I don't think, I don't know who you think that he is, but he's not Dermani Dawson. He's a good player. So finally, I feel like they are using him in the right way to get him out in space and block on those screens. And that's where we're going to see Elfline do his best work. Yeah, definitely. So, you know, Elfline's not the biggest guy. You know, he's barely 300 pounds. Excuse me. So when you're asking him to block any of these, you know, monsters on the inside, at nose tackle, even Eddie Goldman on top of Akeem Hicks, you know, that's just really not his game. His game is what you've mentioned, the zone run game, the screen game, pulling. Those, those are the things that he showed on tape in college where he excelled at the most, and that's really what he does the best in the, in the NFL as well. So I totally agree that, you know, I would like to see more of him in space, and we did see, you know, that really nice, Dalvin Cook run, or excuse me, swing pass where Elfline released and just took a great angle out to the linebacker and just got enough for him to spring Cook. Those are the type of things that he's done several times over the course of this season and even more so last season. So, yeah, I hope that they continue to trend in that direction because, again, it also helps O'Neal in that sense as well. If you could do, I'd love to see some pin pull. I know I mentioned this last time we talked too, but some pin pull would be great where you have a tight end down blocking outside of O'Neal and then Remmers down blocking outside of Elfline and let both those two pull and get out in space. Mm-hmm. I would love to see some of that. Uh, but yeah, you know, hopefully that's something that gets built into the the game plan more as the season progresses, because that's really what's going to allow Elfline to shine and really take, take advantage of his strengths. In some ways, I, I feel like it can be not fair entirely to John Filippo, who is in his first year with some of these players. But in another way, it's like you, you've got to be able to maximize the strengths, not just of your running back, not just of your quarterback, but of your offensive line, too. 
if you're going to succeed. And I think that there's plenty to grow there with Elfline's usage and with O'Neill's and the other guys are just hanging on for dear life. Um, I think Arif has had a couple of really tough games, but overall, yeah. overall, he's been okay. I think that he's just, he's sort yeah, of been who we think he is. When you face Khalil Mack, it, you're going to, your numbers are going to be bad and you're not going to look good because he's like one of the three best players in the NFL that isn't a quarterback. So, I mean, it's just, yeah, not, I think it's not going to be a good night for you. Yeah. Reef is a solid tackle, but when you have a solid player going against an elite player, you know, things are going to happen like we saw in that, in that matchup. I mean, it's not, you know, after that, it's not like I'm saying Reef sucks, you know, or anything like that. Like a lot of people probably, you know, may do, but yeah, it's just, he's a solid player. And when you go against elite guys, you're going to struggle, especially if you're trying to block them one-on-one and stuff. So, yeah, it's, you know, nothing too crazy. I think overall this season he's been solid. You know, you don't want to see even solid players get beat to the extent that he did in that game. But, mm-hmm. I mean, it's Khalil Mack. And like you said, he's definitely elite. But I agree, he's probably one of the two or three, four best non-quarterback players in the league. So, and I don't know how much they were expecting him to be over Reef as much as they were in that game either, which may have threw a little bit of a wrench in the in the blocking scheme and stuff like that. But yeah, so that was kind of unexpected as well. So, but yeah, it's, you know, I think Reef's been solid for sure. Let's go over to the defensive side of things here, Brandon, and talk a little bit about this uh, unbelievable defensive line, which we knew would be very good, but you, and this is why you continually appear on this podcast because in the off season, uh, it was like, okay, is, how good is Sheldon Richardson now? Like he was very good before, but there was some off field stuff. And is he still that type of guy? Uh, can, can confirm he's still that type of guy. He has been a monster. One of the, I think 10 best at, at the three technique position in the NFL. He's been dominant against the run. They're one of the best run defenses in the league. It helps Linval Joseph. He's in the backfield all the time. Guards cannot handle him one-on-one his quickness, tracking people down. Like this guy has been an incredibly good signing for the Vikings. And when they're healthy and when they've got Everson Griffin and then Richardson playing like this, uh, they've got a very good case for the best defensive line in the NFL. Yeah, I, I totally agree with that. Their defensive line is not only, not only are the starters elite, but the depth is elite as well. Now at this point with Griffin, uh, Everson Griffin back, I mean, the fact that you guys have, Weatherly and Tom Johnson as rotational guys is just crazy. And then even Jalil Johnson's getting some snaps. So I love the defensive line as a whole. And I definitely think they're the best in the league right now. If you factor in, you know, one, not just one through four, or, you know, if the teams are on, you know, three men front, whatever, not just the starters, but also if you look at the whole unit. So yeah, their, their defensive line is just absurd because even when guys, you know, take a breather, you have a good, a good player coming in in his place most of the time. So yeah. And with Sheldon Richardson, I mean, last year, like, you know, I was trying to, you know, tell people that you know, I went into last year when I studied him, like not never studying him before. I always heard things like, yeah, he was awesome before he, you know, he had some, some off the field stuff or whatever. And he kind of trended down, but I went into the, the tape last year on him just totally kind of blind to ever studying him. And I was just, I was blown away. You know, I had him top seven defensive tackle above guys like DeForest Buckner, Sue, um, you know, other players. And I think the situation that he's in now, 
has really allowed that to even go to another level in terms of production because of he's on a much better defensive line this year than he was last year. I mean, he's on the best defensive line in the league, seeing a lot more, a lot less attention on, you know, to his side and things like that. I mean, you can't ever really bring more attention to him because he has Daniel Hunter or Everson Griffin right outside of him and then Linball inside of him. So he's surrounded by great players and it's really allowed him to kind of even go to another level, which I thought he was already a very good elite guy last year, but He's just, he's a great athlete. He's, he has really good quickness off the line of scrimmage. He has good power. And I think more than anything, um, he plays really hard. He, 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 you know, the speed, I think you see a lot on like the backside of runs, which is awesome to see. But him as a pass rusher, what makes him so good, in my opinion, is his pass rush plan. He always has a plan. If his first move doesn't work, he has a, a variety of counters to go to. And whenever you have that, against an interior offensive lineman one versus one, you're going to win the majority of reps. And it's just, he's a lot of fun to watch this year. I'm, I'm really glad that he got into the Mike Zimmer system. And, you know, because I know the three technique is a very important uh, position in that defense. So, you know, and he's with the great defensive line coach, Andre Patterson as well. So he's in just just a great position. He's taking advantage of it. So, yeah, their defensive lineman right now is just absolutely stacked. And it's it's uh you know it's what it's doing for the defense you know allowing the defense to play more guys in coverage is also extremely beneficial so they don't really have to blitz much to get after the quarterback so do you think that they should sign richardson to a long-term contract oh i mean i don't see why not you know at this point i mean if he's you know from what i've heard and everything you know he, he he's taken to the environment in minnesota he he appreciates the way that things are run there which, you know, I think most defensive players do once they get into, you know, a Mike Zimmer system. So, yeah, I, I say, you know, by all means at this point, you know, as long as, you know, I mean, even the contract, though, you may you may have to give him what appears initially to be just a, an ungodly amount of money at this point. Mm-hmm. But, you know, how the contracts work after a couple of years, it might be, a, you know, he might turn into a bargain, you know, or even just a, you know, a really good contract. But initially you may have to, no eclipse, um, maybe every defensive tackle in the league aside from Aaron Donald. I don't know what that would look like, but um, it's in terms of the player, I think, you know, you want this guy in that system long term for sure. Now, Daniel Hunter, they got one of the biggest steals uh, ever yes. of my life that I've ever seen when it comes to a contract, considering what defensive ends deserve to get paid in the NFL today. And what Hunter signed for was uh, pennies on the dollar. But you know what? He can still afford to buy a couple helicopters. So I don't feel bad for <laughs> Daniel Hunter. He's doing fine. Uh, he has become one of the best defensive ends in the NFL. And I, and I think we looked at him as a situational guy who got a bunch of sacks. That's great. A lot of potential there two years ago. Then last year, as a starter, pretty good. Ups and downs. Took him a little while to kind of get his sea legs there. And now complete freak show tell me what you see for the progress of daniel hunter yeah his progress in terms of just the whole nfl landscape i think is as impressive if not more impressive than any other player in the league you know because coming out of lsu he was just a physical freak who was very raw but whatever mike zimmer and andre patterson saw they were right and their ability to develop guys establish you know primary move additional moves to his repertoire as a pass rusher 
just everything, the leverage he's playing with. He's really, really taking advantage of his physical tools, and his physical tools are truly freaky. So to be able to, to put in, you know, sound fundamentals and make a guy technically proficient with what he is physically is it's just, you know, we're seeing the manifestation of that and he's becoming an elite player really quickly and he's still really, really young, which is, you know, just crazy. So yeah, he's as a pass rusher, I think his length and his athleticism just gives guys a lot of problems. The way he uses his hands now as a pass rusher, he looks extremely refined. He, he just, it's night and day from when he was a rookie to at this point in his career, I just think really what he does with his hands as a pass rusher is pretty special. The way he gets, uh, uses the forklift technique quite a bit. So with that, you know, an offensive lineman get their hands on his chest. He's a, he does a really nice job of just using these subtle pushes and pulls and slaps and things just to get hands off of him so he can continue moving up the arc and, you know, stop and get around the corner. He can also counter inside. He has the power to just go straight down the middle of a guy. So really he can beat you outside in or straight down the middle. So that really, really makes it tough for offensive tackles to establish their game plan against him because he can just do everything. And And he's also a very good run defender. So he's just, you know, he's outstanding. His trajectory that is incredible. And I think uh, something that I come to just a conclusion about players and getting better is, is that's what it's really all about. I mean, there's a lot of freaks. There's not a lot of Daniel Hunter freaks, but there are a lot of really great athletes who play. And it's all about like, can you continue to get better and better and better through your prime and through that first contract? And if you can, you're going to stick for a long time. And if you already have the the raw talent, you could be an elite player if you just keep working at it and keep finding ways to progress. And that's what he's and if done. you have great so, coaching, yeah, right? You know, yes, yes, which is huge. And Andre Patterson is like the MVP of the team every year, it seems. with The, the way that the defensive line yeah, raises incredible. him, it really is. Uh, and, and you know what? They never miss an opportunity either. And that's where, as a, as a professional reader of between-the-lines commentary from football players, which is how I feel sometimes because they only play yeah. 16 games, so the rest of the time I'm trying to figure out what they're talking about. And the, the fact that every defensive lineman in almost every press conference will say something about Andre Patterson, it tells you how they feel about him. It tells you what the value is there because they don't have to do that. They do that so everyone knows, you know, because otherwise... Right, which is very cool. Right. So um, yeah. let me just ask you last thing, Brandon, and of course it's just awesome as always. Uh, and I can't wait, by the way, to the off season where we start breaking down offensive linemen to draft this time, and then maybe they'll actually draft one of them we talk about as opposed to last year, <laughs> they didn't. I think they will. Um, I yes, I am very confident. But I was I was very confident in first rounder last year, and that didn't happen. So anyway, yeah. Digress to the New England Patriots. What they got coming up this mm-hmm. week? Uh, not a team that has any sort of you know, ten sack type of guy. You know, you're not going to see Lawrence Taylor coming out and playing for Bill Belichick's New England Patriots, but. Uh, some solid guys. So what should we look for this week, and how do you expect this matchup to go between the Patriots' defensive line and the Vikings' offensive line? Yeah, so I think you summed it up pretty well there in terms of what the Patriots are offering on their defensive line. They rotate their guys quite a bit. 
uh, Trey Flowers is the, the the key piece on that defensive line. He's the best player. He's predominantly an outside pass rusher, but he he's been playing you know inside quite a bit in their three man uh, defensive front. But in passing situations, he slides outside to end. He gives problem. He gives a lot of problems to guards though. Whenever he's rushing over them, he's a, he's a big problem for guards. Uh, so you know that could spell some trouble for you guys for sure. He's uh he's very quick. He has good length, uh, underrated strength I think, and he just he has spin move. He has a couple different moves that he can throw at guys on the inside. Um, from the outside, I don't think he's quite as effective from what I've seen, but he's still a guy that can give some tackles some trouble as well. But he he's kind of their their chess piece type of guy that they move in you know multiple alignments and. You know the best defensive lineman on the team, I think for sure. But then outside of that, you kind of you have a couple uh, solid defensive interior defensive linemen. You know you got to start with Malcolm Brown, who has been you know solid. If not, he's definitely a good run defender. He just doesn't offer a whole lot as pass rusher, aside from just kind of pushing the pocket. But he's a he's definitely a good, a very good run defender, I think. And another guy. Uh, well, Adam Butler, I'll talk about him a little bit. <clears throat> He's a guy I watched as well last year. But Adam Butler is their basically their nickel-dime defensive tackle mm-hmm. who comes in on passing downs. He's just kind of a quick guy and gives guys some trouble on the interior. Him and Flowers are kind of their pass, their primary pass rushing guys on, on passing downs, you know, nickel and dime sets or defensive fronts. Adrian Claiborne rotates in as well. He has a really nice cross-chop move off the edge that can give some offensive tackles some trouble as well as good power, but not much else outside of that. Pretty, pretty good run defender. Uh, Lawrence guy is another guy on the interior, very strong, long arms, hard to move. So they, they have a couple of those guys. Danny Shelton also, uh, you know, is another guy who's a good run defender. So several good run defenders on the interior. It's, it's tough to, to, to do a lot against them. I think their linebackers, you know, are the, Part of the reason why maybe the run defense isn't better than it is because they do have good individual players, I think, on the defensive line in terms of run defenders. Uh, but pass rushers, they don't have a lot there in terms, especially on the outside, aside from Trey Flowers. There's just, you know, they have John Simon, who's kind of just a, a hustle guy who, you know, is a good run defender who can get some cleanup sacks, but he's not, he's not scaring offensive tackles, I don't think, very much. It's really, you know, in Claiborne, like I said, what he does well. So Flowers is kind of the guy, you know, I think that you have to worry about as a, as a pass protector. And aside from that, it's just a bunch of big, strong guys on the, in the middle who are tough to move. Are they, would you categorize them as being sort of sneaky good? Like they don't get talked about a lot or not, not should really scare you at all? I don't think they should really scare you that much aside from Trey Flowers. <clears throat> the disrespect. You know, their their running defense, you know, I think is really what you kind Grant, of. I love to... how you just move right past that. Like I'm just making a, <laughs> I'm making a stupid comment, and you're just you're just like go. You know what? I'm going right back to football. You can say whatever you want. Okay, carry on. <laughs> no, I just just kind of wanted to cap that and just say the best thing they do, I think, individually on the defensive line is they have some good run defenders and then a, a good pass rusher and Trey Flowers. So. You know, there's much scarier defensive lines out there, I'll say that. Well, I think that the Vikings uh, running up the middle is pretty much not a thing that they can do anyway. So when yeah. it comes to having interior, I, I mean, I, I think that Mike Zimmer is just asking John DeFilippo or maybe begging him to just not 
try to pound it up the middle anymore because when they pounded it up the middle on third and one against Akeem Hicks, it was like, okay, this experiment has to end where they're just going to try and force runs up the middle. And uh, so I, I don't think they'll have much. Yeah, success. they don't have a dominant force like that either. You know, of course, because mm-hmm. Hicks is a guy who plays behind the line of scrimmage too. They don't really have many of those guys on the interior. They just have kind of those guys who absorb blockers and just hold the hold their position, which is valuable to an extent. Mm-hmm. But you guys, guys like Hicks are just the the power that they have. I don't really see that on the inside of the Patriots defensive line. So just just that caveat, I think, is important. All right. Well, uh, Brandon, I'm not surprised at all by another stellar appearance here on the Purple Podcast. Always great. Uh, incredibly detailed as always, especially the, uh, the Daniil Hunter breakdown and, and Brian O'Neill. So just uh, fantastic stuff and people can follow you on Twitter. I think you do a lot of offensive line teaching on Twitter by just pointing out different things that people should look for with the uh, offensive defensive line at veteran scout. Also you write for USA football and uh, awesome stuff. So make sure you check that out and thank you as always for dropping by Brandon. Yeah, my pleasure, man. Thanks for having me again. And thank you all for listening to this episode of the Purple Podcast. Whether it's Baker's Simple Truth Turkey or Mac and Cheese with Murray's English Cheddar or pie made with fresh Cosmic Crisp apples, there are many dishes we look forward to sharing during the holidays. And Baker's has all the fresh ingredients you need to turn today's holidays into tomorrow's memories. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Get more ways to save at the Buy 5 or More Save $1 each sale. Just buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Bakers, fresh for everyone.